Hello, Center Church, and welcome. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Center Church, and I'm excited to conclude our series called Love Today. I also want to just say that next week we got some pretty exciting things that are happening, including a brand new series called Pathway to the Cross. Now, what I'm excited about with this series is as we head into the Easter season, and for those that are, are understand kind of the church world and are part of the church world, they would understand that we're in a time of Lent right now, which is the time leading up to uh, Easter and pre- preparing ourselves for for this 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 event in in history that really has changed all of history and many of our lives. Those of us that call ourselves Christians, and so in the same way, this series is us. Uh, reflecting on some different instances in Jesus's story that are unique as he heads towards the cross. And so if you're interested or you know somebody interested in the Easter story, maybe you don't know the story too well, or maybe you've been a part of it for a while, but there's some people in your world that you want to share this with, I want to encourage you to come back next week as we start our brand new series called Pathway to the Cross. I'm very excited about it and just to unpack the Easter story in a brand, uh, brand new and fresh way. Pretty excited about that. I also just want to say hello to some people in the chat today. I want to say hi to Steph and Sandra. Great to see you this morning. Chloe, thank you for leading us in worship. So great to see you online as well. John and Sean and Destiny, so great to see you. Cavies, it's great to see you online today. And for those of you that are watching later on in the day, I want to encourage you, come back to our 10 a.m. service, and I would love to say hi to you this morning and, and get to interact live together. I also also want to say that as we're concluding this series, after I'm done teaching today, we're going to have a question and answer time. So why don't you think about some questions that you can throw back at me. Love to talk about that after the message is done, but we are going to head in to today's final message of our series called Love. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this in the world today, but the world is growing more and more polarized. I don't know if you've noticed this, but more polarized and there's more societal gaps. As a matter of fact, over COVID-19, the number's probably grown since there, but early in January, 150 million, 150 million people slipped back into extreme poverty. Now, hot button topics we've heard about this year are things like masks and vaccines, whether we're going to take them or not. Um, we, the sexual ethics is at the front of conversations, race, political leanings, the environment and how we treat the environment, shutdowns versus opening things up back again, equality of outcomes versus equality of opportunity, and all these different things, all these different ideas, all these hot button topics seem to be flooding our social media feeds, seem to be flooding our news feeds seem to be flooding all of our media. And in the midst of all of it, what I've noticed is this list just keeps growing on and on and on and on. And people are becoming more polarized and more divided as a result. And what might seem like a new, like all-time high polarized time, what might seem like a a time of intense tension uh, and and, and, in history, if we actually look back, is is fairly common to what we see throughout not just uh, human history, but even as we look at the Bible throughout biblical history. As a matter of fact, the text we're going to look at today uh, and unpack from the Bible, Jesus lived with similar tensions. As we look at this text and as we look at as, as Jesus sits down with his disciples today, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, as we look at the, the, the reality that Jesus is facing, there was racial tensions. Actually, there's a group, Jesus was a Jew, and there was a group called the Samaritans, and they hated each other. Like, brutal relational tension there. 
Plus, there was the Roman occupation. And so Rome was dominating not just the Jews, but the Samaritans. And so the Romans were also uh, hated. And so there was this relational, uh, racial tension. There was also high taxation. Yeah, we, we, you know, these conversations have been going on for a while. There was a difference in religious practice. The Romans were like, hey, you should, be, uh, you should be worshiping Caesar. And the Jews were like, no, we worship God alone. And then Christianity was birthed, right? With Jesus' death and resurrection, Christianity was birthed. And then there was more tension. At the time of Jesus' death, there was persecution of faith. There's people being in prison unnecessarily. There was death in some of the most gruesome ways. And there was mass polarization. Now, what, I, what we might feel like is a new idea now was actually something that existed then. And what I appreciate about the Christian faith, and in particular, what I appreciate about Jesus, is he doesn't shy away from the tension. And as we conclude this love series, Jesus gives us an antidote, and Jesus gives us an answer in the midst of the tension. In some ways, similar tensions that he faced at the time that he walked on earth. And rather than turn away, or rather than not stare it in the face, Jesus seems to come right into the center of the tension and provide a brand new way forward. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about a new way forward. I'm excited about different narratives. I'm excited about what God has potent, what God can potentially do in and through his church and in and through the lives of people in our community if we understand that there is a new way forward. And so Jesus is going to spell it out today. He's going to say, okay, enough of this polarization, enough of all the tensions, enough of all this. I want to provide a new way. And he doesn't just shy away from it. He says, I'm going to lean into it. Jesus, in the midst of all this tension, is going to speak. And so today, as we head into the text, we're going to head into a verse called John, in John 15, 12 through 13, which is a very popular verse. If you grew up in Sunday school in the church, and for those of you that understand it's your first time online, you're like, well, I didn't grow up in the church. I don't have a religious background, or I didn't grow up in the Christian community. I didn't grow up in church. You, you might not have that same affiliation, but for those that did grow up in the church, it was like this verse that I'm going to talk about today was one that like you memorized, you did all these different things around, okay? And so, and so it's a very popular text that we're going to be talking about today. But John, in, in, the, in John 15, what's happening in this particular point in the Bible is Jesus is sitting down with his closest disciples. This is the time when he is just about to go to the cross and he's just about to die. Now what's significant is in John 15, uh, 13, 14, 15, is Jesus is going to sit down and kind of give a summation of his ministry. And then it's like the final words that he speaks to his disciples. So if you were about to give your life for somebody, you were about to die, what would the final things, what would be the final things that you would want to say? Well, this is what Jesus is doing. So I think we can look at this and we can say, well, and highlight this and say, Jesus, what do you want to speak to us as kind of the summation of your ministry and what you want for your disciples and what you want for your church moving forward? So for those of you that have never been a part of church, you're trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, this is a great overview to say, okay, what does it look like? What is Jesus passionate about? For those of you that have been in church for a while, it's a way for us to rethink about, about how we're doing life and to being called back into uh, what Jesus intends for us and to remind ourselves of the way in which he wants us to live and the way in which he wants us to uh, model ourselves after him. And so he's going to outline this and he sits down with his 12 disciples. But before they sit down for dinner, something incredible happens. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Now, God comes to earth in the form of Jesus, okay? 
We know this in the Christmas story, right? We hear it every year if you're in church or even if you're outside of church, you would understand this story, right? The baby Jesus is born. He comes to earth, right? And he puts on flesh. And God is in earth. He's he, in the person of Jesus. He's going around. He's healing. He's doing miracles. He's, he's teaching. He's calling out religious leaders. There's crazy stuff. Amazing things are happening. And then in the last moments of his life, he washes the disciples' feet. And he communicates to all of them, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. I'm here to lay my life down. And so too, I want you to lay your life down. To prefer another over yourself. To maybe take a bit of a step back so that somebody else might be able to get served. To be able to sacrifice for somebody else's benefit. Right at the beginning of this conversation, Jesus begins to wash their feet. And as a matter of fact, the reason I came back to the Christian faith was because a pastor washed my feet. I actually grew up in a church where I felt like the pastor was served the whole time and I didn't get it until a pastor served me. And then I realized, wait a minute, I want to give my life for something greater. Not that people would serve me, but that I would be able to serve others and lay my life down. This is something that I want to be a part of. It was radical and it totally transformed my life. So Jesus begins to wash their feet. He talks about the fact that he is coming and he is the one that that Israel has been waiting for and he's going to make all things right again. And he begins to say that I'm the one, the promised one. And he begins, he begins, and then he talks to his disciples. He says, now I want you to be connected to me. And at the beginning of John 15, he says, be connected. You're like the, I'm the vine and you're the branches. So be connected to me and don't depart from me. And as he begins to go down, he fi- we find these words in John 15 verse 12. And this is what he says. And the, this text will be on the screen right now. It says this. He says, my command is this. You ready for it? I know I'm ready for it. In the middle of all the tension, in the middle of all that I just talked about, my command is this. As it was at Jesus's time on earth, as it is in 2021, my command is this. Not my great suggestion. Not if you feel like it because it's a good day. My command is this. Those are strong words. Love each other as I have loved you. And in all the weeks that we have talked about God's love for us, and all the weeks we've talked about the fact that God is not on your good works, it's on his good will. In all these weeks, we talked about how God has given himself, not because we were perfect or because we were beautiful or because we have it all figured out, but just because he loves us, this agape love, his love is towards us, so too love others. This is this in the next verse. Greater love, like the highest form of love, is not that eros love that we see in Greek. It's kind of like, ooh, that's pleasurable. Oh, but it comes and goes. It's not that kind of friendship love where it's like, oh, we're buddy, we're totally pal pals, right? I don't, nobody says that. I don't even know why I said that, right? But I said it, okay? It's not that kind of love. God is saying this. He's, or Jesus is saying this. The greatest love you can have Right? The greater love than nobody this than to lay what? Down one's life for one's friends. The greatest model that we have of love is not feeling. That's what culture tells us. You gotta feel feels, right? That's love. Oh yeah, babe, that's love when you feel it deeply, right? But then love love that feeling comes and goes. 
And what Jesus is saying here is there is a greater love. In the middle of all our tension, in the middle of all our polarization, there is a greater love. And Jesus commands this from us. He says, we need to love each other as I've loved you. And this is what's amazing about Jesus' life. Is Jesus serves, he forgives, he corrects, he sacrifices, and he lives with humility in love for those people around him. Is he the son of God? Yes. But does he choose to serve? Yes. Could people, could he say, everyone serve me? I'm the son of God? Yes. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't pull out the authority card. What he says instead instead is he says, I'm going to show you how to love one another. I'm going to show you how to serve one another. I'm going to show you what forgiveness looks like. I'm going to show you what repentance looks like. I'm going to show you what correction looks like as he talks to the religious leaders. I'm going to show you what love looks like in action. And so too, I don't just show you this love, or I don't want you just to experience this love for yourself and hold it to yourself. No, I want you to experience my love in full that you would be able to love the world around you. As I have loved you this way, Jesus says, then go love the world the same. You see, we're obsessed in the West with like this emotional love, aren't we? Like rom-coms are not really a thing anymore, but that was like when I grew up, late 90s, early 2000s, rom-coms were a thing. Maybe you want to hit that up in the chat. You're like, oh, this is my favorite rom- rom-com. Yeah, you know? And they're like, they're totally, like, they were a big deal, right? It's like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan made their whole career, right, on, like, rom-coms. They're like, they're fine. They're good actors, whatever, okay? But, but this genre has kind of died out a little bit. And, but it was all about this kind of like, oh, I just feel this kind of love. And it's so much greater and deeper than that. But we're obsessed with it. But God is obsessed with a different kind of love, God's love is greater than this. It it supersedes that kind of love. And it's not based on good works or beauty or perfection. It's based on his goodwill for us. And when we hear greater love has no one than this, that love that we're supposed to share with other people is that same type of love. To see other people for, for the benefit of other people and to see their good come about. To lay down our lives that somebody else might benefit. This is the greater love. Agape love is the Greek word for the kind of selfless love or the love that God presents. It's not part of this world. It's something that we receive that's much bigger than the framework that we have. And the only way we receive it is through God himself. It's not something we manufacture. It's something we receive. And then out of that overflow, we bring to other people. Now, part of this verse, and I've done this over the years many different times, is greater love is no one than this than to lay down their life for their friends. And I'm like, friends? Oh, I can lay my life down for Des? You know, there's, there's so many amazing things about destiny. Or then I go down my list of other friends, right, that are close by. And I'm like, oh, those people are easy to love. And typically, friends think like us, and friends kind of have maybe differing opinions, but we, there's a lot of things that we have in common. And when we hear this verse, what we do is we go like this. We're like, oh, greater love is this than to love, down, love my, my friends. So I can sacrifice my life for those top five people. But that's not what is happening here. What's happening here is in the same way that... We need to, uh, in the same way we, we, we think about love, we, we have to ask ourselves the question, well, who are my friends? In the same way Jesus in other scriptures says, well, who's your neighbor and who's your enemy? Because Jesus actually says in all three instances, friends, neighbors, and enemies, you need to love the agape love in all three situations. 
And then when we hear friends here, what we say is, oh, I can love my top five. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you also need to ask yourself, well, who's not is my friend, but who else is my neighbor? And who's my enemy that I need to pray and I need to love? That's being included in this sentence. The greater love has nobody to this than to lay down my life for my neighbor or to lay down my life for my enemy. And we see this in Matthew 22. You can read it. Who is my neighbor? So Jesus is like, love your neighbor as yourself. And they were all, the people sitting around him like, well, who's my neighbor? As if they could get out of that kind of love. Well, <laughs> who's my neighbor then? And God's saying, this is encompassing those people in your life. The difficult, challenging people as well. And what we typically do in verses like this is we ask ourselves the easy question, not the hard one. We ask ourselves, well, then who is the, the friends, the easy ones? We don't ask ourselves the enemy question. But God's love is a great sacrifice. So too, if we're going to shed God's love, uh, share God's love, sorry, and it requires great sacrifice uh, displayed to those around us. And we must ask ourselves the question then, who are our friends, who are our neighbors, who are our community members, and who are our enemies? And when we hear enemies in our culture today or somebody on the other side of the political line or somebody that thinks differently in the, 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 the um, community of ideas, when somebody is, takes a different position than us uh, in sexual ethics or when somebody takes a position on us, a different religious position, what we think often is retribution. We talked about this last week. We think cancellation or we think we need to get back at this person. We need to shut them down. But God doesn't think retribution. God thinks love. That's what's so crazy about this message is God thinks how uh, God is wanting us to think, how do I love those around us? And you might say, well, why do I need to love my enemies? And what we need to understand is something so important about our faith. In uh, a letter to the Romans written by Paul, in Romans 5 verse 10, he uses such strong words to talk about us and God. Paul puts us in a position, and I mean all of us, every human being on terra firma, he puts us in a position where we're not just, oh, we did a couple things wrong, or, oh, I just made a few mistakes. Paul's words in Romans 5 verse 10 are very strong. Look at what he says. He says, when we were enemies of God, oh, wait a minute, I thought I just sinned a couple times. Oh, I thought I just did a few things wrong. No, no. When you make mistakes and you oppose God and you rebelled against him, Paul calls you enemies. But it says this, but we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Jesus made a way, but at once we were enemies. In other words, Jesus bridged the gap when we were enemies. And then he says, follow me. What does that mean for us, church? Is that our love for other people and the way that we respond to our enemies matters. And it's more than just a call out online. It's more than just snubbing somebody in person. Love demands something greater. And when we understand that our sin separated us from God, and when we understand that at once we were enemies of God, but then he brought us in, it teaches us to treat our enemies and treat those around us much differently. Because we understand we were forgiven much. And when you understand how much you've been forgiven, it's incredible how much you forgive. When you understand how much you've been loved, it's amazing how much you love. Do you understand where you came from? And when we do, when we understand that we were enemies of God and He bridged the gap, so too we recognize that what we are called to do as Christians, 
What we are called to do in this world is to love like Jesus loves. And this is a high calling. Jesus' desire is for us to love others as he has loved us. The love he shares with us is not just so that we would know our worth, but that those around us might know their worth to God as well. People have a good sense of love of good works, but need to know that the love of God's goodwill is shown through his people. In all of our brokenness and our opposition and our rebellion, God loved us the same. So too, he demands, not, not demands, he requires of his church to love in a similar way. So I have one question that I want to ask you, and I want to end with this today. As we end out this series, if we talked about God's uh, agape love, it's not about our good works or our perfection or our beauty, it's about God's goodwill for us. As we conclude the series, what is the generous act of agape love that God is desiring for you today? For some of you, you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to lean into the tension. It's extending forgiveness. And let's remember that forgiveness is not forgetfulness. Forgiveness is not condoning the behavior. Forgiveness is not, having, is not just letting all the boundaries go down. No, no. You can have all those things. Forgiveness is a letting go. Is a letting go. And not allowing bitterness to take hold in your life, but allowing forgiveness to flow. Why? Because we've been forgiven much. Maybe it's generosity. Maybe you don't sacrifice financially for those people around you. And some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't give to church because blah, blah, blah. Fine. Don't give to church, but be generous somewhere. Maybe you need to sacrifice financially for somebody because somebody might need that. And that's a way for you to show love to somebody else. Or maybe it's prompting conversations with somebody across the aisle that rather than spewing on social media, you call them up and you say, hey, I would love to just Zoom call. I know we can't meet in person right now. I'd love to just Zoom for a bit. And you call not to speak to them and correct them, but to listen. Oh, that's a tough one. Maybe you just need to sit down and write a word of encouragement to somebody. Maybe you need to serve your boss when you don't feel like your boss really demands any sort of service, right? Or maybe you're an employee and, and, uh, or maybe you're a boss yourself and you need to take Jesus' example that he washed his disciples' feet and you need to start serving those people that you're responsible to. Maybe you just need to speak kindly to other people. When somebody does something wrong, like they cut you off in traffic, right? Or, you know, they're, they're not wearing a mask in a store. Maybe it's to be a little bit more kind than a little bit more aggressive. I don't know what it looks like for you. As a matter of fact, I could come up with a whole bunch of different things and then you go, oh, I just tick off a list. But what does God require of you today? What does his great love require of us, church? Because let us be a church that shows the love, agape love of God we've been given to a world that is searching for something more than this temporary love. Let's display that to the world around us. Let's live that agape love, that sacrificial love, not because somebody does something well or something does something perfect or not because it's easy, but because God says, I want you to live differently, church. 
And for those of you that are here online and it's your first time at church, I want to welcome you today. But I also want you to know that if you haven't experienced that kind of love through the church or through God, I just want to say that there, we, the church hasn't been perfect at times. But we're a work in progress, aren't we? And we can always step up to the bar. And I want you to know that maybe you haven't experienced that, but that doesn't mean that that's a true reflection of God's nature. God's love is towards you and he cares for you. And church, I want to talk to you right now. I want us to all think about how is God requiring us to extend that agape love to the world around us? What does that look like practically? And to lean into that tension, to lean into that difficulty, to say, you know what? It might not be easy, but I believe that God's strength and God's love will see me through. I believe that God will give you the strength. God will give you the direction that you're looking for. And if you're courageous enough to pray the prayer, God, lead me to love those around me, that God will answer that prayer. It might not look the way you imagined it, but he will work through it. So let's pray today. God, I thank you for our church. I thank you for those that are new online. I thank you as we conclude this series on love, that we realize it's more than just a feeling. That God, it's about intentionality. And it's about sacrifice. And it's about, it's about God displaying what you've given us to the world around us. God, help us to be a church that loves greatly. That, that shows our community the love that you've given to us. God, thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. Direct our church today as we ask this question. Who are you asking me to love today? And for those online for the first time, maybe they haven't taken a step towards Jesus. Maybe that's you today. You just showed up to church and you haven't taken that step towards Jesus. I got a great message for you. 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus, his only son, fully God, fully man, to die on a cross and to rise from the dead. He did it because he so loved you. But he did it because we couldn't get back to him. We had sinned, we'd fallen short, we made too many mistakes, and we couldn't get back to him. So Jesus was the great rescue mission. Jesus was sent because God wanted to be back with his children, his daughters and his sons. So Jesus came, died a horrible death, rose from the dead for the forgiveness of sins and to make things right again with God. The amazing part of this is it's not based on our good works. We don't earn this gift. We receive it. And if you're wanting to receive that gift today, it's by faith because God gives it to us freely and it's by His grace. All you have to do is believe and receive, and you can receive God's love today. And if you're wanting to make that step, you can pray this prayer with me. And it's the step to follow Jesus and to receive His forgiveness. And what it's not is signing up for a church. It's not saying I'm going to be at church online every week. What it's saying is I'm going to take my next step towards Jesus. And if that's you today, you can pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you that you came and died on a cross for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn away uh, from my sin and my old life and I turn to you. Jesus, lead and guide my life. Help me, God, to experience your love and to live that love in the world around me. Thank you that you so love me that you came and you died for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, gonna to follow you from this point on. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift that you've given in salvation to me. 
Amen. Let me be the first to just congratulate you on making that decision. If you did make that decision, or maybe it's the second, third, fourth, whatever, it's, it's a coming back, it's a turning back to God again. Let us know 